Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. There's only one. There's only one pod in the Motor City that's keeping you up to date on everything Detroit sports. This is The Daily Ticket with your host, Jeff Rieger. Hey everybody, what's going on? Jeff Rieger, another episode of The Daily Ticket. This one for Thursday, October 5th. The week is flying by, getting ready for Panthers and Lions at Ford Field. College football this weekend as well. And by the way, thanks to everybody that heckled or came at me or went at Bernie for yesterday's podcast when Bernie reported that Urban Meyer was in East Lansing on Tuesday night. I mean, Bruce Feldman from Fox apparently felt the need to call Urban himself. And Urban said, I don't want that Michigan State job. Urban also has been known to maybe lie once or twice. So uh, thank you guys. Thanks, everybody, for watching, rating, reviewing, and um, going after all of us. It was very nice of y'all. But um, we go from one guest yesterday to one of my favorite people in media. Another guest, he is a fixture in Detroit sports media. You can read him at Detroit Free Press. He's a columnist, Carlos Menares, who, by the way, I just figured out I've been saying his name wrong this entire time. He is a fabulous writer, even better guy, and even better driver of the golf ball. What's going on, Carlos? How are you? <laughs> Man, that's a great intro. Uh, I, I don't know if I, I can follow that. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. No, no. thanks for having me on, man. It's a pleasure. Well, thanks for coming on. And listen, I love your writing. You're one of my favorite guys in the media. I uh, don't hide from that fact by any means, even though everybody's like, why do you like Carlos so much? I, I, I don't get it. You see the stuff he writes? It makes no sense to me. But no, seriously. So you're around the Lions all the time. And I wanted to bring you on because I trust your opinion. I think Detroit trusts your opinion. And I said something the other day on the show with Wojo, the Wojo and Rieger show. And he laughed at me. But I think I'm right. So I, I thought... In order to show Wojo that I'm right in the rest of the world, I'm going to have you on. You've been covering the Lions since 2006. You've seen a lot of god-awful football. It's amazing that you look as young as you do. I mean, you look great for having covered this god-awful team since 06. But then this year comes around, right? And they're 3-1. and one. They're a nine-and-a-half-point favorite against Carolina, the biggest favorite they've been since 2018. It could even go up a little more. Whoa. They have, like, two top ten units in offense and defense. The passing game seems to work. The running game with Montgomery and Gibbs is working. The lines on both sides seem to be great. I made this statement, and Wojo wanted to fight it, but I said, in my lifetime, I'm 48 years old. I'm old. 
probably not as old as you, but I'm old. In my lifetime, this is the best Lions football team that I've seen. Now, it's not saying much. I understand it's not saying much because we haven't been given much. But would you agree with that statement? I mean, they've already lived up to the hype, it seems like. And I would assume they're going to roll Carolina. Yeah, I mean, the, you're right. I mean, because when you think of the totality of both sides of the ball, um, yeah, that's that's for sure right. Um, the only question maybe is like the kicking game as far as the the field goal kicking, right? With with Riley Patterson, Jack Fox is an excellent punter, but we haven't they haven't had to rely on Riley Patterson too much. But otherwise. Um, yeah, I mean, they're doing what they need to do. I don't know how they're doing it on defense exactly because the defensive line obviously is their strength or was always built to be their strength and it's coming through. Uh, the secondary is still, it's, it's banged up, Jeff. I don't know how they're, how they're keeping this together. I mean, Brian Branch obviously is probably a key, easily a candidate for defensive rookie of the year, Yes, but yeah, I mean, when you put it all together and even on offense, I mean, I think it's Ben Johnson gets so much credit for how he's using pieces that Jameer Gibbs, like every fantasy owner is raging pissed, right, at Ben Johnson and the Lions because gimme Gibbs. Why are he's not getting enough touches and all this stuff? Like, who cares? You think Ben Johnson cares about touches? Like, it's working. We're using a rookie the way we needed to use him. We don't – he doesn't have right. to be an all-pro. He doesn't have to be DeAndre Swift right away. Uh, David Montgomery took over the game the other day in the Green Bay. So Jared Goff is doing what he needs to do. Uh, they have enough threats in the passing game with Laporta, your boy, and uh, Amon Rossi and Brown and Josh Reynolds. And there, there's enough people getting mixed in. And sometimes not enough. The ball doesn't go. What was it? Four, four pass catchers the game before that against Atlanta. Only two receivers. doesn't matter. It's like, you know, you're a really great golf player, right? So it's not how. It's how many. So this is how. It's how, it's how many wins do you get? You don't care if you run the ball 800 times or you pass the ball 800 times. If you're going to win, you're going to win. They're, they're getting it done. You're absolutely right. In since 06, the most complete Lions team that I've ever seen. Look at that. They are on pace to have a historic rush defense. They allow 60.2 yards per game, I believe. They've done it against some pretty good running backs. But you mentioned Jameer Gibbs, speaking of running backs. And there is this debate raging on sports radio. I know you love the sports radio. It gets very cynical at times. But there's this debate raging that while we like Jameer Gibbs and we see that Jameer Gibbs has a future, we can see the potential. And we like Sam Laporta a lot. I mean, how can you not? Maybe he's the next Travis Kelsey or George Kittle. A lot of people can't get past the fact that you've passed on Jalen Carter. So if I gave you Brad Holmes' job for just one day and I give you a do-over, would you take Jalen Carter, who doesn't play a lot in Philly, but he's been so impactful, he seems like a transcendent player, or would you do the same and would you take Gibbs at 12 and take Laporta at, what, 34, which meant you had to trade with Arizona at six away? You know, the way to answer this really is is you have to think in context of what the, the kind of players that are getting and how they want to use them. And I don't know what if there was any knock on Jalen Carter. I, I don't know what the, what the draft – you know, whatever uh, uh, draft Nick said about them, but they want a certain type of player, the kind of guys who love football, who are all in. I don't know if that's Carter necessarily, but also they needed, I mean, you could see they had, they had the Jamal Williams, DeAndre Swift model, right? The, the shock and awe, the, the, the tough guy up the middle and then the shifty guy out of the backfield who can catch passes. 
And they just redid that. They, they, they didn't think that, you know, Swift could stay healthy. So they traded him and they figured that Jamal, you know, was not worth the price he was going to command him as a free agent. And, you know, they figured they could just get somebody else. And maybe they liked something more about David Montgomery, um, kind of more or less the same player, but I think that's how they want to do it, you know, and that, and, and that has to, I think it's always tricky with Ben, with, with the general managers, you know, because they can't really say, look, I gotta, I gotta take care of my defense a little bit, or we really have invested a lot on the defensive line. Now we got to go a little bit more offense or we're missing a tight end. We traded TJ Hawkinson. We got to get a tight, you know, they can't, they never come out and say it that way. Or my offensive coordinator prefers this kind of a run game. He needs these two kinds of players. I have to go get those kind of players for him, either through agency or the draft. So I, I can't really, I think it's really early to make a strong judgment about Gibbs, but I think he'll be fine. I mean, from what we've seen so far, um, it should work together. I think you're going to see him have some pretty good games, some some DeAndre Swift type games where he catches a lot more passes. And one thing he did say in training camp, I don't know if you were there that day he said it, but early on we asked him, what's the offense looking like? What's the transition from Alabama to here? And he said, they're just having I mean, catch a lot more balls. Like he, I don't think he caught as many. He And here this is just going to be his role more of not getting the ball, not getting handoffs. And you saw what he did in the, against Atlanta. It wasn't very effective. They need Montgomery between the tackles and they need Gibbs to be the in-space guy and uh, and make some yardage, you know, on his own, make guys miss, you know, not running through the tackle. So I think he'll be fine. I have no, I have no problem with that. I have no problem. You, you do you like the pick? Or you not at the time. Carter? No, and I do like Jalen Carter. And uh-huh. now you watch Philly, and they have DeAndre Swift too. I was never quite sure why the Lions traded him, to tell you the truth. I understand what you're saying. They worried about his health, and for good reason. He was always injured in Detroit. But, man. He's a free agent to be, contract year, $1.7 million bucks. Like, we all know these guys play better in their contract year. Yeah. And there was yeah. no reason to trade him. You could have traded him at the deadline, or you could have kept him in case somebody gets injured. I, I, I didn't understand trading him, and you know what's going to happen. I mean, I don't want to be a Debbie Downer here, but it's going to be Lions and Philly <laughs> in the NFC title game. And uh, the game's going to be probably in Philly. And uh, DeAndre Swift's going to run for five touchdowns. And uh, it's going to be a great season for the Lions, but we're going to be like, why did you ever trade away? I mean, he's like Isak Paredes, you know, he's All like right. Nick Castellanos. He's Justin Burrow. <laughs> all right, let me let me answer you. Let me I'll answer this because the NFL is all about reading between the lines. I think it's a lot of the, the way the coaches talk, right? And the, the most damning thing that was ever said about DeAndre Swift was when Deuce Staley, the quarterback, the running backs coach, said yes. last year before the season started. I think it was in training camp that Swift needs to understand the difference between being injured and being hurt, meaning he's a little soft. Right. He's not playing through being hurt. He's he's injured. He can't play. Exactly. He's not playing through some of these, I don't know if they're soft tissue injuries or whatever, but that's the kind of stuff that when you don't feel, and in the the NFL, you got to feel like your dudes are going to go through the wall for you and they don't care. And they're putting their, their physical well-being way last. They want to get on the field. If they have to hop on one leg, they'll be fine. They'll, I want to put me out there, coach, right? That's what they want. And I don't think that was ever DeAndre Swift. And as a human being, I totally get it. As an NFL coach, I would say this guy maybe is not for us because 
you know, what do they always say, right? The best ability is availability. So right. that's no, what like they it, couldn't yeah. trust. I think that's what they couldn't trust was like, look, look, is he going to be out there? Is he going to, we've already given him. And I think he was out there more last year, but I, maybe they fi figured we saw him more out there last year and he wasn't quite as effective as we still wanted him to be. And you also know, one of the things that Staley also said, I think it was maybe the same press conference is we need you to kind of be a more North South guy. And I think you said this, maybe in even hard knocks, we saw, we heard it like, stop trying to get to the edge and beat guys, stop trying to juke guys and just, just right. go, just take Talk. the yards that are there, go through, go through. And, and go I think that was part of, they were trying to toughen them up and you got to yeah. go off tackle or between, you know, up the middle. And, you know, sometimes there's just an ideological difference with players. And I think that's what really was the case with, with Swift. Speaking of availability, what about this guy? Jameson Williams comes back. I have no idea how much he's going to play. Okay. But he made the big deal at practice. I'm sure you were there the other day. I think it was yesterday. Yeah. Yep. Where he says, listen, I've been doing two a days and I'm catching 100 balls on the jug machine. Yeah. Now, the media kind of took that and ran with it. Other people, more cynical people, not like myself, of course, because I'm not very cynical at all. But other people are like, dude, that takes like 10 minutes out of your day. Like, like Amon Ra catches 202. You're only catching 100. Break it down, Carlos. What are we expecting from Jama? Like, are we ready to watch Jamison become that 12th overall pick that we thought he was going to be? Like, up until this point, it's been disappointing. Yeah. I also think at times it feels like he's getting railroaded at times. From some people in the media, people nitpick this kid all over the place. Oh, he was at a Coney at three in the morning. Are you kidding me? Oh, he was lighting off fireworks on Independence Day. Oh, my gosh. What are you doing? I mean, activities that all of humanity does, right? So I think yeah. that at times got a little crazy. I still think he's got crazy talent. I worry or wonder about his route running and his catching the football. But you're around all the time. Are we going to see a difference maker in JMO, the guy that can take the top off the defense and a guy that will elevate this offense that's been really good so far? You know, if you if you had to pin me down, I wouldn't say this year. It could happen. He has the talent. He has the speed. Sure. But I think that it's it's been too much stop-start with him, with the injury coming off the ACL in college and – playing what six games last year one catch and then this year uh you know the suspension the hamstring it, it's a, it's it's a lot to ask a young player to catch fire you know and no matter nobody wants to say hey what they were saying what what, what Campbell and and uh, Antoine Randall L were saying if you could again it's reading between the lines it's be where you're supposed to be know what the plays are do do we're asking you to do the minimum here is be reliable and you're not right. gonna get, you're not going to play 60 snaps on Sunday and even Campbell said he, he's going to function more in a support role to begin with and that's absolutely the right call because I don't care who you are you know even if you're Calvin Johnson coming off this kind of a break it's been five weeks maybe six or so right. since he's played the game plus um, the hamstring was, injury Plus hamstring injury, and plus that was even preseason. I don't even know what a snap count was then. I think they were they were trying to get it up, but still, getting in football shape is tough. That, that that takes a little bit of time. Now I don't know. I, we haven't seen enough of Jamison Williams to know. Like, is he a quick learner? Is he is he hit the ground running? Is he? It, listen, he has the drop issues. Um, you know, he's he's if he stays healthy. It's, it takes time. I mean, it takes a little bit of time for him. It's going to take time for him to get on the same page and timing and everything with 
with Goff. So I, it's not going to happen right away. So so is he going to progress so steadily in what are we down to? Uh, 14 games, I guess. No, 13 games. Yes. Uh, plus the bye. There's enough time, I suppose. But it's a lot to ask somebody to catch fire after this kind of a delay to the game, to the to the season for him. Um, but I do – I'm one of those guys, Jeff. Uh, you know, I'm worried about him off the uh, – you know, away from the facility sometimes. Some of the decisions he makes and those – you know, like every human, he plays with fireworks. But ask Jason Piel, uh Pierre didn't Paul, work out. Yeah, it didn't work out. And everybody was worried about, like, it wasn't so much fireworks as that he had like, a short little, like, uh, cigarette lighter. He was using a long stick, like, dude, you need those fingers. So, um, <laughs> fair enough. You know what? But the flip side of that is he, he, I don't think he's bothered that much by outside noise, by criticism, by necessarily even expectations. He's, it doesn't he has seem a like smile it. on. You, you can see the video, I'm sure, probably on somewhere. And yeah. he has a smile the whole time. He walked in in the Pistons shirt in the locker room. You would have thought this guy was just like, hey, I'm, um, you know, I'm happy to be here. I just call, got called up off the practice squad. This is a nice day for me. And, you know, so he's – and by the way, 100 catches on the drugs machine, I would, tell, I would tell somebody, go catch 100. Yes, these guys are NFL receivers. Go catch 100 balls off a drugs machine. Tell me how your hands feel. 200 balls is insane. And I'm in raw. He stands about 10 feet from these things. It's like a bullet. A no, it's amazing to watch. It's, it's, sometimes he doesn't want to hand it, but I would yep. tell you, I take a hundred drives a day. Well, I mean, what's really what's the difference, Carlos? That's just your normal round, though. Yeah, it, 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 <laughs> I was uncalled for, but probably true. <laughs> All right, couple more minutes with Carlos Monoraza. Obviously, the columnist from the Free Press, one of my favorite guys in the media. Um, I do want to ask you a little bit away from football. All right, I figure we covered the Lions. They're going to kick Carolina's ass. They're going to go the next week and win at Tampa Bay. I mean, they're going to be a one or two seed in the NFC. I think we've determined this. They're going to win the NFC North. I think you agree with me, correct? Oh, yeah. quick, quick, I don't know about the one or two seed, but, yeah, they're going to win the NFC North. Yeah. NFC North, right? Yeah, the Vikings stink. The, the Bears are an embarrassment. And, you know, they beat the Packers four times in a row. And the next game's at four field. They make it five times in a row. So we, we've settled all that. But big news around Metro Detroit yesterday was Matt Shepard, a long time, five years, voice of the Detroit Tigers on TV. He gets let goes by Bally's. And listen, I like Shep as a person. I really do. We've played golf before. I, I consider him friendly for sure. Are you hearing this? Yeah. Please. Please. Oh. Can't you see I'm busy here? Oh, my gosh. Stop it, please. This, this is the worst time for you to go crazy. It, it is 345. It's time to eat, apparently. That, my friends, is a successful video edit. How about that? <laughs> dog barking, now dog eating. <laughs> Magic of video editing. Anyway, getting back to the news yesterday, Matt Shepard let go from Bally's. A lot of people were happy about it. A lot of people did not like Shepard on the air. He's a great dude. So this has nothing to do with his work ethic or his personality or what kind of guy he is. He's a great guy. I always thought he was a fabulous football play-by-play -play guy and basketball play-by-play -play guy. I never loved him doing baseball, but you put out a tweet. You said bad decision, Bally's. A lot of people seemed happy about it. You're like, no, awful decision. You were like the one guy. I don't want to be, no, you weren't the one guy, but you were one of the guys that didn't like the decision. Why? You know what? I, I think with Shep, um, I was totally fine with the way he 
he ran that broadcast. And I think that I'm not going to say that his hands were tied, but when you got a really bad team and sure. a lot of what you're supposed to do, let's be honest, is uh, support the team, right? Between him and the analyst, you know, Simo and Gibby, um, they, you know, Petrie, they, 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 they have to sort of excuse a lot of things that are going wrong. And when the team is struggling, it's really hard, um, I think, to, to, to color things as truthfully as possible, let's say, as, as, as fully. But I, I, hey, listen, I, and I'm not an, I'm not an aficionado, right? I mean, I, I listen to broadcasts. There's people I like, there's people I don't like, there's, there's personalities. Like I don't like Joe Buck. I don't like his personality. Um, you grew up around Vince Scully. You're from Los Angeles. And you, so know what? Just, you got a gem what? from him. Guess what? Some people didn't like Scully because he told too many stories. They were like, just tell us the pitch count. Tell us you're not telling us this. And that. I like the stories. I love the stories. And I, it was always to me the story. And that, that's my preference. I mean, what I think one of the best play-by-play guys probably is Michael Kay for the Yankees. I really like him. He's got really good chemistry in the booth with his partners. Um, you know, he has good banner, but it tells you what's going on and gives you some insight. I thought Shep did enough of that. I thought he was good. He was proficient. I never had a problem with, I don't know what's going on. Don't tell me. Some people, I think they criticize him for being boring. You know, I don't, I don't know if you, you, I'm sure you listen to a lot more radio broadcasts from other teams. I used to listen to a little bit more when I had the MLB network and I listened to, you know, different broadcasts, uh, away team broadcasts, you know, all that stuff for the Dodgers and, and um, I didn't, there aren't that many special, special uh, play-by-play guys. There's probably like, what, a handful of really, really good. No, you're right. Everybody I else, think, pretty good. They're, I they're think there's way many cookie cutters. Like, unfortunately, especially in TV, I think so many guys are the same. Like the Ernie Harwells, the, the you mentioned Michael Kay. I think he's good. Dan Dickerson does a fantastic job on radio, at least in my opinion. The Vince Scullys. I mean, the, the Bob Eukers. Those guys are, who's the guy in Cleveland? Why am I drawing a blank on his name? He does the broadcast by himself. Yeah. The, those guys are the cream of the crop, right? Those guys are the best of the best. Then the rest, I kind of feel, are just cookie cutters. Like, you can replace them day by day, and you wouldn't even know that they were there or have changed. So, I think Shep, I agree with you. I think he handled the broadcast leadership well. I just think... You know, baseball is all about folksiness and day-to-day conversation and, hey, look at that fan and easy, breezy baseball chatter. And I think maybe that's where things fell short. You talk about a bad team, though. I remember when the Tigers were horrendous. I spent my entire 20s watching the Tigers, and they were pathetic. Like, I remember 1996, I made the worst decision of my life. I bought season tickets. They lost, like, 106 games. They were awful. Josh Lewin and Kirk Gibson were the play-by-play team. I think it was Fox Sports Detroit back then. And they were really good. So a good broadcast crew can actually make you want to watch or make you not want to shut off the TV, I think. Like, I think Rod and Mario, even though they didn't like each other very much, and they ended up fighting over a chair, unfortunately. But those guys were great, I thought. I loved Rod. I thought Mario was You thought they were great? Great is a strong word. Well, okay, so I will admit... The era was great. So I lumped them in with the era. And there were so many great moments. But, you know, and that's one of the things, like, a lot of people were tweeting at me and different things, you know, bring Mario back. He doesn't want to come back, apparently. 
I don't, I don't blame him, but also I don't think he was anything special. There was nothing about him that stood out as wow, Mario. And, and I thought Rod was awful. I, I thought Rod was great. I, I, what, what I see you, Miggy. I see you, Higgy. I see you. What, what did he bring to, as an analyst? I never heard anything from him that I thought, wow, this guy's really bringing me some insight. And Gibby, for as much as you want to say, people say, oh, Gibby, you know, yeah. he's, he's struggling and everything. And that's absolutely true. But he has a lot of insight. You know, but it, you it depends what you want, right? True. And I agree with you. Like in a game situation, Gibby, former manager, former Absolutely. player, he's going to be able to do what you want. No question. You know, a hero from your Dodgers of yesteryear, right? <laughs> but with a guy like Rod, I, I have this crazy in my broadcast. I actually want to hold a seminar on baseball broadcasts, especially on the TV. And I want to revamp the whole damn thing because I think the current format is boring. You get the color analyst, you get the play-by-play guy. It's just those two guys going back and forth. I want to be entertained. Like I can see what's going on through the camera lens. I can see ground ball to shortstop. I can see Javier Baez swinging out of the uh, strike zone. I can see all these things. I don't even necessarily need comments about it. I want somebody to attack it like an actual radio or TV show. Entertain me. Tell me some stories. You know, go interview a fan about some popcorn and catching a baseball. Like, bring on a comedian. Do stuff that is not done. It's all so stodgy. It's also like uppity. Let, let's break the mold. Now, there's no way Bally's is going to do that with their next hire. It's going to be the same as it ever was. But I thought Rod and Mario came the closest to breaking the mold. When Rod would yell, oh, Jackson! Or I see a big fella or country strong. He entertained me. He entertained me. It's so corny. I, I, I know about baseball. I feel, I'm a baseball fan, so I don't necessarily need the analysis or the insight. That's where I think Shep had issues. Shep, it'd be a 9-2 game. Tigers are down. It's the eighth inning. And Shep's asking Jack Morris, oh, my Hall of Fame partner, Jack Morris, I, Jack, what are you doing here? What are you throwing here? I'm like, Shep, no offense, buddy. It's a seven-run game. Tigers are going to lose. Give me a reason to keep watching. Like, you don't have to talk about baseball the entire time. Another edit. So, yes. So, But but you like Shep, and I love him as a person. I just I feel bad for him. I mean, you never want to see a guy lose his job, obviously. But uh, it's going to be interesting to see who they have taken. Well, I, Who's it going to be? Well, I don't know who it's going to be, but I, it's it's they're they're not going to go. I mean, when they hired Shep, and after it was obviously they fired Mario Rod, and they yes. had, to fire, had to hire somebody. And I, you know, I think I went through the list and I looked for people who were potentials, and and Joe Davis was definitely a guy because he's from Michigan, and I, I don't I don't I don't see it with Joe Davis anything extraordinary. I know he's one of the favorite guys for. I don't know what is it Fox. Uh, yes. He does some broadcasts for he them. He does Dodgers. Football. He does World Series. He does that football. Yeah, yeah he all- does other stuff. I, okay, he's he's proficient to me. He's not interesting, you know. And even the Dodgers, same thing. They brought in guys, and they have Earl Hershiser, who's decent, um, you know. But it's to me, it's it's they're, they're right now. It's such a it's such a time, and it's been like this for a long time where. You have you can't see the wrong thing, you know. You got to really sure. toe the line. You can't get people angry at you. The the management, the team, you know, whatever it is, you you have to just. Right. It's rarely a criticism. That's one of the things. It's almost it's, like just keeping your job. It, it's like yes. surviving, like like Kevin Brown from the Orioles. He put up right. that graphic, or he didn't put it up. <laughs> they put it up, and he just talked about, hey, haven't beat the Rays a lot lately. And next thing you know, he's suspended for four games. Absolutely, you make a great point. You make absolutely. A great point. 
That's that's great. absolutely true. And that's and that's I think that's unfortunate what they're gonna I, I would guess that my my guess, Jeff, I don't know, give me your name, who if you think somebody, but I think whoever they're gonna hire just might have some kind of ties to Scott Harris in some way at one of his stops, Cubs or Giants or Giants. Whatever, somewhere along the line. Okay. And and part of that, and I don't know, I didn't listen to enough Tigers broadcast. I would imagine if they'd asked Shep to do this, he would have, but to emphasize and to sort of promote the whole uh, control the strike zone from both sides. And, you know, this is what we want to do. And this is the Scott Harris way. And, and this is, you know, how the Tigers are going to win. You know, a lot of that, let's face it. I mean, the TV broadcast, the radio broadcast as well, but the TV broadcast yeah. uh, definitely is in a lot of ways, the mouthpiece for the team on a day-to-day -day basis. So whatever message the team wants to put out there really is communicated. And, and Scott Harris went on into the booth more than a few times you know, with he did no. Um, and, so and there's there's no doubt. There's no doubt, at least in my mind, that Scott Harris probably at least okayed the decision. I don't know if he had something to do with it, but he seems like a micromanaging guy where he's got his fingerprints on pretty much every aspect of the organization, which a president of baseball operations should probably do. So, yes, I mean, I, I would agree with that. Um, if I had my choice, it's never going to happen. I would call up the White Sox, not the White Sox, but I would call up uh, Jason Benetti and I would offer him the world and say, come to Detroit. The guy does the national stuff. He's fantastic. I would also, and again, I doubt you actually made it, but Dan Schulman with Toronto. Come on, Danny. Why don't you come to America? Come to Detroit, baby. <laughs> and the one guy I definitely would want, and again, he's not leaving San Diego, but Dan Orsillo is funny. He's engaging. He's got a great chemistry with, like, his color commentators. Those are the three guys I would definitely try to get. I know none of those guys are coming here. So you're probably going to get somebody off the beaten path or maybe get somebody in the Tigers minor leagues, like Dan Hasty, who used to work at the ticket, by the way, or uh, Greg Gagne, who uh, called the combined no-hitter. So I don't know. I mean, I just hope they get it right because if you don't get it right and you go Ruse and Rathman or you go another Matt Shepard, I mean, then you're looking for another. It's a big role. And we all know that. Like, oh, yes, yeah. radio is big in baseball, but TV's big too. It's a big role. And you got to get it right. So it's a huge hire that they have coming up here. Brian Anderson, is he still with the Reds? Is he still doing Reds games? Yeah, he's good too. He's on uh, TBS, right? TNT, TBS. He's good. Is he? Yeah, yeah, he would be. He would. I, I've listened to him. I've always liked him too. And um, you know, to me, the the thing with Shep though is like, I I think you have to do something. I don't know. Maybe it's just the fairness part of me and of you know in life or whatever. But I don't think he did anything worth being fired for. That's the thing. And, and so you're you're 100 right because you know that thought the same exact thing. Usually, you lose your job in baseball broadcasting or really broadcasting for that matter for two reasons. You retire or a scandal of some sort, right? Like, look at Tom Brenneman. He was great right. with the Reds. They loved them. Next thing you know, he says something in a hot mic, and he's never going to work again. So I, I think, like, again, it is rare to see a guy that did it for half a decade all of a sudden get let go. But I also think that the Tigers are well aware, and you mentioned the Harris effect, of how people felt about Shep, right or wrong, Scott Harris is on Twitter all the time. And their Bally's was fielding a lot of tweets where maybe they didn't like Shep as much as other guys. So 
I think Scott Harris sees that, and I well, think you get what you get. And the other thing, too, is that I think that they're saying uh, – I've heard that uh, they're going to keep the rest of the broadcast crew. For now. But they might change that, I think, when they hire the play-by-play guy. Okay. So maybe they'll, they don't want to make it seem like they're cleaning house and just kind of – change some roles quietly or whatever. But to me, you don't get rid of Shep without get, making some other changes. I agree. Um, but yeah, I, 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 and I did thing I wonder, and I haven't talked to Shep about this, you know, um, but I just wonder I, if they'd asked them to change, if they'd, if they'd say, listen, you got to spice it up. You got to do this. We're going to change that. I really doubt. I mean, you know, I, you and I both have known Shep for a really long time. Yeah. It's great. He's guy. got a strong personality. He, yes. he can push back on some things, you know, he's, he's, uh, can be a little strong-willed, but he's also, he's not stupid. You know, he, he's not going to go against what, you know, his bosses want or what the team wants. So if they'd asked him to do something, I think he would have done it. So yeah, but, I, but that's the thing. See, I think they probably did. I don't know anything, but I bet you they probably did. But here's the thing about being a human being. You, you can't be somebody you're not. You can try. I try to be a good golfer all the time. I fail. <laughs> right? You just can't be somebody that you're not. So so I'm sure he tried. And if you watch the various broadcasts over the years, I think you did see a guy that was trying to be a little more lighthearted and, you know, make some more jokes and make some observations that were less about baseball. But I think at the end of the day, they gave him five years and it was a good run and it's not personal. It's just everybody has different tastes, but enough people just didn't like the broadcast and the Bally's decided to move on. But um, Carlos, I told you, I lied to you. I told you I needed you for 15 minutes. You have uh, doubled your time. You've well exceeded that. And I appreciate it. So I just want to quickly recap and read Carlos at the Detroit Free Press. Watch his podcast as well. What's your podcast? Uh, Free Press Sports with Carlos and Sean. I've been on that podcast like three times. Oh, you've rescued the podcast. You've been a star, yes. Oh, please, please. You're doing the same for me. Trust me. Ah, but here, here's the review. Here's what we're going to review. The Lions are indeed the best team of our life. Jamison Williams, Carlos thinks it is a big deal to catch 100 balls out of a jug machine. And um, I think that's pretty much all. Like, Oh, and you like Matt Shepard, and you didn't think he should get fired. And I understood the move. That's pretty much it, I think. I think we covered everything. Yeah. Do you think Urban Meyer is going to Michigan State? No. No, no. no. He's too smart for that. I don't think he's We don't have enough time for that anyway. No. No way. Carlos. Read Carlos in the free. Catch him after the Lions game. The team since 06. Look how good he looks. Carlos, thank you, my friend. Always great talking to you. And let's do this again sometime. Absolutely. Thanks, Jeff. It's the daily ticket. Thank you, Carlos. Now, look. I get to make him go away. Look. This is very crass. Here you go. He's gone. All right. We'll catch you tomorrow on the Daily Ticket. Thank you, everybody. Bye-bye.